Hello and welcome to the Parental Advisory Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Hall. With me, as always, my amazing co-host. Patrick Terry. There you go. Good job. And boy, do we have a good one. If you don't already know, because we've been hyping it for what? Well, we've been hyping the interview at least two plus weeks. Yeah. At least since we got it scheduled. And then um, we've been obviously talking about the movie for a while and um, trying to get our viewers and listeners viewers almost yeah that works <laughs> to uh to watch this amazing movie and um i think we've done well and we are lucky to have i believe this is our first returning guest patrick it is yeah so milestone i know right <laughs> we're over 50 we're over 50 episodes and now we're back to having a returning guest and not wow. just any returning guest we have from if you remember from the fall we had Oh gosh, how we list all the things she's done. We've done choreography, we've done music videos, we've done feature films. Well, generally, obviously. Um, she has done those things. I have not done any of those things. Would not be able to even attempt to be able to try those things. Please welcome back the director of Netflix's, I would say newest take, because to me it is a hit, especially for if you have a family and even if you don't. Just all-around amazing film. Please welcome the director, Trish C. Trish, welcome back. Thank you. That is like the most exciting intro I've ever been given. I feel very, very special. Thank you. And I didn't realize I was your first returning guest. But what an honor. I'd been thinking about it. Um, and we've even got friends. I've, I've got a buddy of mine who's released a new, he does uh, inspirational rap. I guess mm. is what he calls it. Yeah. And he has a new single that he dropped. And I'm like, bro, when you coming back so you can, we want to help promote it. I mean, obviously we'll do it on the page and everything, but you know, we'd like to have you back. Even if you've just been watching stuff on streaming, it still counts. Cause that's more or less we're watching. Right. Yeah. And uh, I've been harboring on him to come back. And then I'm that thing. I'm like, no, we've either only had first guest or just us. So wow. Boom. Okay. Well, it is, it is nope. a great, no show. pressure. <laughs> no pressure. Yeah, I better, I better be good today. I'm, I even typed up questions today. Watch out. Ooh, okay. I went, I went, from, hand, I went from handwriting to typing. Ooh, fancy. Uh, yeah. Now, I now, now the, uh, what's the word? Uh, the uh, hmm, fanciness of the questions, however, may not match. Okay, <laughs> but that's good. okay. You that's know, all right. I, I don't love fancy, so that yeah, yeah, there you go. It's Well, you know us. We like to keep things casual anyways and not get too uh, hoity-toity about things. Sure. Um but um patrick you want to kind of give the rundown of uh of the movie sleepover yeah man well i mean the way i look at it it's definitely following the kids but you know just imagine you're a teenager and you got a younger sibling and then parents get kidnapped and then you find out your mom had a past life that you didn't know about and then now you're on this journey to rescue her that's basically how i summed it up <laughs> Okay. And Perfect. that's probably the best way to do it. It is, for me, it is everything I wanted from this movie and even more because it's, when we talk about, you know, when you and I talk about movies that we watch with our kids, with our, you know, with my nine and then shoot Grayson will be six and less than two weeks on the 10th. Yeah. When we talk about watching movies like that and with your teenager, 
you know, our movie age or what we watch varies because right. of the ages of our kids. This is one of those that brings all of those ages together, I feel like. And I think that it's a movie not just for kids to watch, but adults too. I mean, my mom's even watched it. She's watched it twice, actually. She's watched oh it twice. Gosh. That cool. was that text I sent you. That was my copy and paste of the text from my mom. That was your mom? Yeah. That's oh. what I said, best review ever because it was from her and, you know, moms are never wrong, so. No, moms are uh, never wrong. That is high praise. Yes, and she could not wait to, uh, she's like, when's the episode drop? I go, it, it'll be Monday, mom. Oh, good. Hi to your mom, wherever she <laughs> What's her name? Uh, Susie. Hi, Susie. Thanks so for watching my movie. Yeah. And then, um, like, my brother and uh, his family watched it. We watched it fr Friday night, and then um, they watched it, I think, Saturday night, uh, opening weekend, I guess you could say. Fantastic. And uh, also both dancers. Um, they, uh, I think Avery turned 11, 11 this year. And Willie turned seven because they're both in, one's older than York, the other one's in between York and Grayson. So I have to kind of remember. Um, and Willie, the youngest, is the one that's watched it multiple times already. Like they, they loved it, but she's, she's watched it, I guess, on the iPad or whatever uh, device. That is times. so awesome to hear. That's yeah. really great. So we, uh, so my mom said that, and I think you, probably have heard this a lot when talking about this movie, at least from people that are old enough to have seen it, um, reminds them about like uh, movies like Adventures in Babysitting. It's probably one I'm sure you probably get a lot. Um, and movies of that kind of subgenre, I guess, of, of kids, family films. And, um, and, I, I, and that's kind of what, um, as we were watching it, it's like, so this is Adventures in Babysitting. Not really, but I can see where you're getting um, a lot of influences, I guess, from that. Um, so, kind of start off while we, as we talk about this movie, um, I don't, I'm trying to think, I don't think any of the questions I'm asking or anything else can be spoilery or give anything away. It'll just be, I think most of the stuff I'm trying to remember, I think, or at least nothing that's going to give any sort of major sure. plot point away. Um, so I'm, I'm keep trying to think in my head. Um, but first question would be, what drew you to this movie? Well, I got the script uh, in my inbox and I was just um, drawn to the name at first because, you know, I think that the, the email that came with a log line or something, um, which was interesting, but I just loved the title, The Sleepover. Mm -hmm. I think because of what you're saying, it had a sort of adventures in babysitting or, um, you know, like 80s family movie mm -hmm. sound to it that I yeah. really liked. So I read it right away. And, you know, when I'm reading scripts, um, I'm not uh, usually able to do it all in one sitting. I get bored, I get restless. I Even with a good script, I sometimes just like stop halfway through and come back to it. I'll go four pages and realize I have only been halfway paying attention. Like I'm not a great reader of scripts. Yeah. Um, and this one, I just devoured in a single sitting without 
looking up from my laptop. I just read it right through. And that was the first sign that I was like, oh, this is a different type of movie than I usually read because it just kept me hooked the whole time. Um, but I think what I liked about it was also what you were saying about your, your friends and family. I liked it myself as a you know 40 something year old woman, but I could picture my kids liking it. I could picture their friends liking it. I could picture kids younger than mine liking it. I could picture people um, all around the world liking it. It, it doesn't, it, it kind of has this universal appeal that's really mm -hmm. rare in a movie. Um, and I really liked the characters. I really liked that each character had his or her, their um, own little arc. And it's hard to do that in an ensemble it movie. Is. You know, having made ensemble movies before, it gets real contrived really quick when it's like everybody has to learn something. Everybody has to find something out about themselves and each other. Everybody, you know, you have to service all these characters. And it did it in such a clever way. The IQ of this movie in general, I mean, if you ever do go back and watch it again, there's all these little things that we laid in there, you know, about the dog or the dog biscuit or the, the, the line that the mom quotes to her daughter and like, pounds home the idea of the library or the you know necklace that she's wearing like we tried to make it interesting and smart um you know it's a family movie it it yeah. has to it can't be over the heads of five and seven year olds but we tried to i really liked the way it seemed well thought and well organized yes. um, which is another thing that's sort of rare in scripts so yeah i just kind of fell in love with it instantly and begged the producers to let me direct it. We had a couple of really good meetings and then we were off and running. Oh, awesome. Um, and that's kind of, too, I, I was thinking, I was like, well, she likes her own. I actually was thinking, I was like, she does like her ensembles because <laughs> between, you know, Pitch Perfect 3 and then also uh, Step Up All In, you had your hands full with multiple actors and I'm like, eh, it's nothing new for her. So. Right. Well, that's true. <laughs> like, I have I had good training in yes. how to shoot an ensemble movie. Um, and you're right, it's not easy. No, no, it's not. Um, Patrick, feel free to jump in at any time if you've okay. got anything. All right, right now, things looking good. I don't have anything okay. right now, but, but okay. I'll jump in. Okay, please do. Um, Patrick, how old are your kids? I have a daughter that's 14. She's a freshman this year. Oh, okay. Yeah. She's kind of... Like we've seen some more family-friendly movies before, but she's kind of getting more into like horror movies. She likes, even though they scare, she still wants to watch horror movies. Oh yeah, girls yeah. that age are very, very sophisticated. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I can imagine. <laughs> Takes after a dad that way too, because that's why I always let him watch the horror movies. I'm like, <laughs> I can't wait to hear what the two of y'all had to say about it, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then we'll see whether or not I watch it or not. So. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm more I'm, I'm more picky. I loved a good horror movie. I'm very picky. I don't know why. I just I don't. I'm not a slasher one. If it's a good thinker or you know it has some sort of message behind it, mm -hmm. I'm yeah. more apt to go see it. Like I watched, and it's been harder obviously with theaters being closed. So a lot of things are, for me at least, I rent on uh, I'll rent on iTunes. So whatever, yeah. I'll see what comes out and I'll see what what's kind of been what the buzz on is or has been on some of these movies which kind of also helps um my decision whether or not i want to watch it if it's something else i'd probably take less persuasion but when it comes to a more horror or at least that type of genre type thing like i watched relic really enjoyed it and it was 
not jump scare. It was more kind of like the others where it's just kind of creepy that has a build to it. That's kind of my, more my thing. Um, but jump scare stuff, I don't, I'm not as big a fan. I'm like, I need something more. Yeah. So, Sometimes um, jump scares are cheap. So yeah. And, and they rely on too much and it's not a lot of, um, I guess they're not really smart about it. They just try to go the cheap way out sometimes. And I mean, don't you guys think, you guys think too that jump scares are much more effective in a theater full of people where the whole room, you know, screams at the same time and claims right. to the person next to them? And now that we're not really in theaters as much, and and even right. without the pandemic, people are watching more and more stuff at home. You know, I guess if you're really gathered up with your family or your friends mm -hmm. or your your you know your honey, and and you get a good jump scare, it's 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 good. But you know, when you're watching something on an iPad or a laptop, and it's a like, I don't know, it, yeah, it doesn't have the same punch, right? So, That's kind of a true. theater experience. And I and I'll completely agree. But I watched Relic <laughs> in bed on my iPad because you know Ruth was trying to sleep, and I'm like. I'm getting creeped out because it's dark as hell and um you know and I'm just sitting there like I've got headphones oh, yeah. on and I'm like, oh my god, this is creeping me down. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm trying not to and I'm doing my best trying not to wake her up. I'm like, oh my god. A sort of simmering tension, like you said, slow yeah. build of a scary movie versus a jump scare almost yeah. works better at home because you yeah. are by yourself in your own, you know, you're not you don't have the comfort of a million people in a public. Right. Room. True. Yeah. No, it's it's True kind of terrifying yeah <laughs> like uh, <laughs> um so if you want if you haven't watched it yet that actually is a a, a decent uh a decent viewing um yeah. there's a lot of metaphorical stuff as far as like uh aging and aging and uh, how we deal with with grief and that's basically the entire theme of the movie which was great but <laughs> i had just seen it what but I watched that Patrick like two weeks after coming back from my grandfather's funeral. So it was like, yeah. no, I was like, I don't really think this was like the best as far as timing, but I kind of already knew, but it's still kind of, which I think made it even scarier for me. It's like just that overall arching thing. I'm like, but it, that, so maybe that might've had an influence on how much more I appreciated the film and right. the, the overall message they were trying to, they were trying to portray. Yeah. But, so good stuff. Um, meanwhile, back to your movie. <laughs> um, so speaking of inspirations, um, what movies did you, if any, did you use for inspiration while, you know, when filming? Because I know a lot of directors kind of watch stuff to kind of get ideas on how they want to shoot certain scenes possibly or techniques. You know I tried not to watch too many um, kids movies or family movies mm -hmm. just because um, I really thought our best, I mean, look, we, it had to be PG. Mm -hmm. That defines a lot of how the action can go. And, right. you know, you obviously want the feeling of the movie to appeal to kids. So it was never going to be anything but a kids movie. Right. But I tried to take inspiration from movies that weren't kids movies so that it would be more interesting, maybe to grownups, at least to myself while I was right. making it. So I watched a lot of um, action movies. But again, you know, this movie had to have a heart. It had to, had to appeal to families. So I watched sort of more um, character-driven action movies and action movies that had a lot of comedy. Mm -hmm. Watched a lot of Edgar Wright. I love oh, those. Um, I watched like Pineapple Express and I even went back and watched like A Fish Called Wanda. 
Um, and, you know, stuff like that that just kind of was like quirkier. I hate the mm -hmm. word quirky, but, um, you know, more offbeat and, yes. and, and, um, they're, yeah, they're adventure stories, and yeah, they're sort of all over the place, but they have uh, real clear character points of view. Um, and then, you know, and then I put it all down and just sort of threw myself into this script because you don't want anything to influence you too much at too that much. point, right. going, you know. And um, it was a big help to be shooting in the city where the story takes place. I've never had that privilege on a movie before. So we didn't have to pretend we were in any city we weren't in. And that was a big inspiration because you just look around Boston and it has a very specific texture tone to it. Um, real specific architecture, real specific color palette to that part of the world. So that was really helpful in kind of like getting the aesthetic and the tone of the movie, uh, we didn't have to create it. It was just there, you know. Right. Then you shot in the you shot in the fall, didn't you? Like, because yeah, we shot. We started in August and we wrapped in October of. It was like right around playoff time too. <laughs> yeah. Down there, yeah. so I bet yeah. that was uh, interesting to try yeah. and Boston and gets gets oh, in. Yeah. Just a little bit, because I remember you had just wrapped filming. I think when we spoke last time. Like you had just yeah, gotten right. home, been like, home like a week or two. Uh -huh. You're right. Yeah. So that's, that's exciting. Well, that actually answers one of my questions about Boston. So one of the things I think I enjoyed most about the movie was the cast. Like, I mean, this cast was amazing. I mean, I've, Patrick and I've watched, if, had our fair share of, again, of watching kids' movies, family movies. Sure. Lately, I've been watching some more disney style movies which there's nothing wrong but there's you could tell there's a definite style of acting for disney movies or even disney tv shows mm -hmm. that are it's true there i mean it's a specific i don't want to say brand but i mean it's a specific style you could be like oh well it's obviously this you like you could be on tv and be like oh is this a disney movie yep and and, be, and you would know and without even knowing and it's and the one thing watching these watching this amazing cast and to me the kids are you know what make the movie i mean the adults are great i love kim marino with all my heart i always have ever since party down so he's yeah, always been good. one of my favorite uh comedian actors and anything i see him and i always enjoy um but um we have uh for those that for if you haven't watched it yet i please pause this and go watch it and then come back and listen, please. <laughs> um, but this cast, Sadie Stanley as Clancy, Maxwell Simpkins as Kevin. Oh my God, that kid. Yeah, uh, he's a star, right? He's oh a star. my God. He's, yeah, he's just got this charisma and this yeah. something about, I mean, he's got, I mean, yeah. Uh, he's like a little baby, um, like uh, John Candy or or uh, Chris Farley. Farley. Yeah. 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 That. I loved every bit of that dance in the bathroom, except for when he did the worm on the on the floor. I'm like, oh my god, no, no! <laughs> you know, we oh. shot that in a real high school bathroom. Oh my god! And, oh wow! And when we were like scouting the bathroom, yeah. you can imagine how a boy's bathroom smells. It smelled like that. It was yes. horrific. Oh and we, our poor uh, set deck crew, yeah. an art department, and like, you know, was in there 
scrubbing that bathroom down for like three days straight. Oh my God. Um, wow. Just so wow. that yeah. nobody got diseases. Uh, yeah. And Maxwell could do his, um, his worm on the floor. It was, Oh my rough. God. I, Cause I was watching like, Oh my God, I know it's clean. I know it's clean, but still. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I told, I looked at both of them. I go, don't you ever do that in your school bathroom. But like you said, like Disney wouldn't probably show that. Would they? That's like, true. They would have they pulled it back. No kids going to do the worm on a nasty the, bathroom floor. Or just a scene in the bathroom. Really? It, right. right. <laughs> true. It's very 1940s Hollywood <laughs> that way. Right. Um, but yeah, and then uh, we got, is it, it's Cree, is it Chichino? Mm-hmm. Okay. As Mim, she, her and I bonded in a scene where they, uh, during the, in the library. Yeah. They find the, when they do their little Da Vinci Code thing. Yeah, <laughs> when they do their little, yeah. I've never related to a character in, in a movie so much as I did in that scene. I'm like, that's, that's me. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'd be that person. Not totally. Today. I mean, you know, it's always nice when a movie acknowledges what everybody at home or what a lot of people at home are yeah. thinking. Um, because yeah, of course you have to get the kids down into the tunnel, but are they really all going to jump down there? Like someone has to be like, bad right. idea guys and yeah, so right. what are we um, doing? it's a little tongue-in-cheek <laughs> it's a tried and true technique of covering up your sort of script um the threadbare parts of your script but it works like, yeah it works. yeah yeah and <laughs> i was just like character to do it oh yeah i was like oh girl i feel you on this one mm-hmm. <laughs> like because i i mm-hmm. nope yeah it's, yeah it's like and but at the same time you believe those characters would do it because they're kids that have no fear i mean when you're young, you have, you don't worry about stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm your mom, right? Like yeah. it's your parents. That there's nobody more important to you at that point. And the thought of like, you might've been fighting with them a few hours earlier and wishing they were out of your life, but, yeah. but you're still a kid. You need your parents. Yeah. You, know? you, go, you know, you gotta find them. Oh yeah. I was like, no. <laughs> every time the scene came, the, Every time I've watched it and, and that scene comes on, I just laugh because I'm like, I know that's me. And I'm she okay, actually, you know, you know, she ad-libbed that whole bit. We had decided no she was going to oh, do that, but she like ad-libbed that whole bit and the outtakes from it are so funny because she just went on this rant and this riff and <laughs> whipping her cape around. And I mean, it was really hard to decide like which parts we got to keep uh, because it was all just solid oh gold. That's cool. Oh, that's amazing. Um, Lucas J, who plays Lewis, and I think we all know that kid. I mean, yep. we all, we all know that kid who's got the overprotective parents that, yep. whether he's really allergic to all those things, or they're just helicoptering, you know, as totally. as low as they can. Totally, well, I know yeah. plenty of kids like that. Yeah, yep. and he and he nailed it. I mean, I'm sure it was probably hard for him to kind of restrain that. That's a lot of restraint in that character because having to. Hold. That is the best way to say it. And you know, when he's around all these kids who are playing it so big and Ken Marino, who's enormous and broad yeah. and, and there was such an energy on set of like coming up with funny ad libs and, and, and playing on set. And it was very hard for him not to sort of like jump in too, because he's a funny kid and he gets yeah. it and it's very infectious. And he did, he had to show a lot of restraint, like, you know, play it dead, play it like you're dead inside, dude. That's, that's <laughs> the character, you know? And I think sometimes he felt like um, 
he was disappearing maybe i mean he didn't yeah. say that to me necessarily but i could right. feel like you know they're they're these these kids are that age when you, you know you're it what your friends are doing is so important and your friends happen to be these other actors and i just kept having to remind him like you the way your character is going to shine is in that pocket that no other character is in which is the sort of like like you said restrained quiet flat affect um yeah. that's what's going to be funny you know and it worked i mean he, he knocked it out because i was he like because i because i was thinking i'm like man i couldn't play his character like i not that i think i'm good to act my way out of a paper bag very well no matter how funny <laughs> i think i may be or how charming i think i may be when it comes to acting, that's completely different. And I don't, I, I, I'm not a person, it would take a lot for me to be restrained. That's yeah. Me. That's, oh, part yeah, of that's the hardest Patrick, part, right? They always yeah. say the straight man, right? Is the, always, always the hardest part. It, you know, to be broad and pratfalls and make funny faces, that's that's one that's thing. Easy. And I'm not saying that's easy either. But no. to be the guy that just like keeps his feet planted um, through these wacky scenes, that's really hard. It is. And, um, <laughs> Patrick would do a better job, I think, than I probably would. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I kind of related to that character. I'm kind of that, that's kind of younger me, I guess. <laughs> I I love that. I love that, Patrick. Yeah. Um, so one thing, I, you know, as far as directing the kids, how was that experience compared to you know because they kind of carry the bulk of the story. Exactly, and I was terrified of that because I think we've all seen enough kids' movies to know it's like kids nail it or kids are unbearable and you want to stick forks in your eyes. And there's not like a lot in between. And, you know, it, it's such an alchemical kind of lightning in a bottle situation for when kids, when it works and when it doesn't, because sometimes it's the writing, sometimes it's the casting, sometimes it's the vibe on set, sometimes it's, you know, their parents like the kids might be yeah. great and are their parents weird is there a terrible studio teacher on set who would affect like i feel like there's so many variables that you're just you know you can try to do everything right and it could still go horribly wrong you can cast the right people and it could still go horribly wrong um so i was quite that was the one thing like if we go back to what i loved about this movie it was sort of everything but i had this nagging flag in my head of like oh what if it doesn't work with the kids um and it just did they were lovely they are very they they are all good people in addition to being good actors they all have lovely parents um because all of them had their parents on set they're all um underage and they all are good students we had a fabulous studio teacher who who's amazing her name's letitia um and we had just like a really good working relationship. The kids all like each other. They were all extremely supportive of each other. They hung out off and on set together. Um, they gave each other ideas. Um, there was no like cattiness between them or sort of like angling, you know, hogging the spotlight. They were right. so sweet to each other. And I think they each really got their own character. They're all very wise that way as actors. Um, and it was really a joy. Like, I don't know if I've ever had so much fun working with actors. Um, I've worked with a lot of fabulous actors and they were just, and they're just so fresh. You know, they, they just love what they're doing and they don't take anything for granted. They haven't been around long enough to be jaded or cynical or act like divas yet. You know, they're mm -hmm. just, they were just, it was really refreshing. And there was like no drama. It was great. It was really great. 
Yeah, I feel like they did a they pretty did a pretty good job. They did. they did. It's not easy, you know, no. to carry a whole movie. And uh, we had to shoot in really weird ways because, you know, we're shooting night scenes and they're under they're underage and they can right. only work until like 10 o'clock at night, no matter when they started, no matter what, you know, and Boston is a not, a, you know, a, a city that's harder to film in, say, than Los Angeles or Atlanta, just because it's not as equipped for that I guess and like they and and so um you know and it's it's the late summer so daylight goes until like 8 30 at night which makes your time that you can shoot really short so we are shooting bits and parts of scenes all over the place and coming back to them weeks later and shooting one side on one day and another side two weeks later and you know faking this for that and putting this you know and they they really had to keep track um and stay uh like really focused on what scene we're shooting, what came before it, even if we didn't shoot it yet. Like they, it, they were really, really pro. Yeah. That's cool. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Um, so I guess we can get to the adults now. Um, <laughs> you know, just some, a few no name actors um, in this film. <laughs> um, some guy named Joe Manganiello, I think. Yeah. Um, some people might know him from True Blood. Um, was it Alcide? I think it was his character. God, that's been forever since I watched it. Um, then, of course, uh, most probably remember from Magic Mike. <laughs> um, and uh, then um, he plays Leo, and he plays uh, the next character, Mylon Ackerman, who I remember all the way back from watching Watchmen. I think that's the first time I ever saw her in anything. Right in Watchmen, yeah. She was awesome. And um, two of them actually both started in Rampage together with uh, – Dwayne John Dwayne Rock Johnson. Of course that's yeah. He had a smaller role than she did. Um she was great as a villain in that movie. She's a and, fabulous villain, fabulous action hero. She's just yeah. she's so multi talented. Yeah, and I, I really like her a lot. And I've seen her in some more non action y movies, more dramatic roles too that it, she, she can does. do it all. She yeah, can do it she's all. Just, she's awesome. Um and then as I mentioned earlier, um Oh, Mylon Ackerman plays Margot. Uh, Leo and Margot used to be an item. They used to kind of steal things, and then things change. You know, things happen, and then now she's not. Um, um, and she later then marries Ken Marino, who plays Ron. Again, I've seen Ken Marino in a bunch of things dating back to a show. I think it was on HBO or Showtime called Party Down with um, Adam Scott and Jane Lynch and the huge, amazing, Lizzie Kaplan, amazing cast. And he was yeah. freaking hilarious in that. He was, he was one of those characters you love to hate in the show. It's like, he's just so, but he's so hilarious. And I, this movie, I, I was like, I bet he got to, I bet he had a blast because it seems like you're like, all right, this is what we want you to do. And then after that, we'll let you do whatever you want. For a take or two yeah and you know i'm always down for that because you get so much good stuff if you build in enough time to let i mean not all actors want to do that but right. with the ones that do if you give them that time and that space you're going to get so much weird wacky stuff that is just you know it's so valuable when you're in the cutting room um so yeah, he, and he's great at that, you know? And so there was a lot of funny ad libs and, and weird ideas that he would come up with. And um, 
ridiculous left field stuff that he tossed in there. And it was just like, I mean, it was hard to, it was hard to not like cackle out loud during the, the oh. tape. It was yeah, just, I, I would have been a mess. Yeah. I would have been a mess. Yeah. Um, really, and, you know, it's just the outtakes of whoever he's playing against, just trying so hard to keep the straight yeah. during whatever insane thing he's pulled out. Yeah, it's, it's really – he's really funny. You know, I, during quarantine, I've rewatched multiple episodes. I mean, not that I wasn't doing it before, but even more so, kind of keep my spirits up. I keep rewatching old episodes of The Office because that's just my thing. Yeah. And then, you know, he, I think he would have been amazing on, you know, on that show. Because I yeah. think he would have fit in just his weirdness and his improvisational skills would have fit perfect on that show. And his, like, uh, his sort of barometer for the absurd is yes. so well calibrated. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, he was perfectly cast. for. I mean, this movie was perfect for him because he was able to, it's one of those, like, his, in his style, he, you know, his, I guess, uh, physical humor was perfect i mean it's his facial gestures alone mixed in with um mixed in with just his characters kind of goofy dad anyways the finger finger vice <laughs> things dude i i cracked up because my grandfather used to always have one of those hand ones in his car he never <laughs> i don't remember him ever not having one really yes like, wow. I mean, still all the way up until I think, I mean, he only, he was 93 when he passed away. I think he was 89 or 90, if not 91 before he quit driving. And I guarantee wow. that, that, that hand, uh, exerciser thing was in his car grip. That's and, amazing. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's, he was, um, he was somebody that, I mean, him and my grandmother, both, they, went to the, went and exercised. She did water aerobics for like 30 years. And he, you know, he would walk around the track and then do like ellipticals and stuff like that. To keep him young. Good for him. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I, <laughs> hats off to him. But again, that's why I, I guarantee that that hand gripper was still in this car, but the finger ones, he would, he would have loved that one uh, had he had a chance to watch it. Cause <laughs> he's like, he would have been like, see, come in handy <laughs> yeah right i know see you never know you never know exactly keep your, well, keep your little thigh master finger machine yes and what it made me think of was we've got those have you seen the tiny hands that fit on your fingers we've got a pair of those and uh i've now seen it popped up on my <laughs> popped up in my uh my feed for amazon it it's a uh, squirrel squirrel head fingers and feet oh and that's perfect oh, I'm that's like, good. Oh, i was like good. why is this in my feed it's <laughs> <I was> like <laughs> this is like the, this is like i'm like is this a wish thing nope it says amazon i'm like wow. oh dear god i love so that apparently they uh apparently there's a there's a unicorn one too <laughs> i was like I oh good grief <laughs> um well i mean we've kind of just through talking and answered a lot of the questions i was did you run into um what kind of other than say with the Obviously, the schedule trying to schedule the yeah or the younger actors and with the daylight and everything. Did you run into any other difficulties during the shoots um, that you can think of? Um, not really. It was pretty smooth. I mean, um, you know, well, let's see. Not really. Uh, it's hard to shoot subways because Boston. 
probably any city, but Boston will not shut their subway down right. for you. Not one station, not one time, not never. So um, we were trying to figure out how to do that because they were like, well, you know, you could use this one station from like three to 5 a.m. on Wednesdays, maybe. And we <laughs> maybe. <were> like, well, <laughs> you know, first of all, and, and it really was like a maybe because they were like, if we decide we have to do maintenance on the track, then, you know, you're out and we won't know until that day. So we were kind of in a pickle because the subway felt wow. like a really important part. And, um, yeah. and even if we had been able to shoot from three to five, the kids could never work at those hours oh, no. under any circumstances ever. No waiver on earth is going right. to allow it. So we ended up having to find a, there's this training, um, this training facility in Boston that's underground. You can't see it from above ground. It's in South Boston. And there's just like this one door on the street, unmarked, totally unassuming. It's in an area that has like a lot of outdoor parking lots and just kind of weedy, undeveloped you know land it's kind of industrial and there's just this door and you go in you have to obviously like have a code and mm -hmm. know how to get and they let you and then there's this whole high-tech underground training where they do uh, preparations for like chemical attacks biological attacks terrorist attacks people come from all over agencies come from all over the country to train in this facility and they have an underground subway station they have an underground um like bus depot with actual buses and transit stuff and so that's where we ended up shooting the subway stuff because they were able to at least <laughs> let us in there at normal times and schedule uh, but it was really cool to see this place like people a lot of the people on our crew who've lived in Boston their whole lives mm -hmm. Never knew this place existed much less got to see it. It was really cool. It was really cool huh. Yeah, that's pretty so, neat. That's the thing yeah. is like the problems you end up having um, yeah. You know you get you get you, you get to see all these In the course of solving problems you get right. to learn so much more about yeah. things. That's, yeah. that's awesome um, cool. We'll see here <clears throat> oh, was it in the script for uh, for chance for Clancy to play the cello, or was that something you chose for her to play? Believe it or not, it was in the script. So I, you probably know from Instagram that I mm -hmm. grew up playing the cello, and um, and also my husband is a baker and kind of a dork, very Ron reminiscent. Uh, and those things, I did. All my friends are like, "Oh, nice, Trish. Like, way to shoehorn your own life into the movie." And I <laughs> swear to God, those were always in it. And that's part of what drew me to it. Actually, is I was just kind of felt this weird synchronicity, um, you know, that I was a cellist and that baking is a huge part of my family. And my brother and I are like exactly the same ages apart as Kevin and Clancy. And there were just a lot of sort of weird parallels to my own life, and that is definitely one of them. That's awesome. Yeah, because yeah, I was like, I'm going to ask her about that one. <laughs> so yeah, I'm curious. No, I did not. I did not force that one in. It was already there. Okay. Did she already know how to play or is that just one of those she just pretended? She did not know how to play. She took lessons, okay. um, but also we had a, a double. And what we did, I wish that your viewers could see this, but mm -hmm. um, I, it was really important to me that we get not just shots of her hand and shots of her face and distant shots from behind mm -hmm. or whatever, but that we see her hand and her face playing and that the hand really be a believable cellist hand. So 
she sat like this with her arms behind her back okay. and the cello double reached around her and we got it wow. to be where this professional cellist, Elena, who was also her teacher, could be the hand and we could also have Clancy's face in the same shot. Um, so my friends who are cellists, I have several of them are like, mm -hmm how did you find a kid that can act and play? And I'm like, <laughs> if my cellist friends didn't spot it, there's like one shot yes. where she's yeah. in the um, band room and, okay. the, and her teacher's doing both arms and the angle it like, if you watch it closely, you're like, that arm looks fucked up. Sorry. But her right arm, the bowing arm, like yeah. looks a little funky for a second. And then we like yeah. jump out of the shot before you can really pay attention. But the rest of it, I feel like you just don't, it really looks like she's a good cellist. It like, like a really good cellist. And it's always bothered me when you can tell that someone like took two months worth of lessons. Right. And they don't yep. really know what they're doing. So we really wanted to avoid that. And I think we did. I, I would say so because I didn't know that I'm like, well, either, either it's just pretend, like it's, like she's just like mimicking, you know, air guitaring yeah. the cello, more or less, or, or she's actually playing. It's like, that's, so that's, yeah. that's pretty awesome. Yeah, um, so this one will be one more for uh, York than I think anybody. Uh, what kind of car was the sports car you guys used in the? Uh... That was a Maserati. Oh, and, okay. um we had to remove, I don't know how much of this I'm allowed to say, but I'll just say it because why not be transparent? So we, we didn't really care what sports car it was, mm -hmm. but we, most hot sports cars don't have a back seat and we needed to right. have a back seat for the kids. So we realized as we started looking at the sports cars that like, oh, oh man, like none of them have back seats. And if they do, they don't have seatbelts. And of course the kids have to wear seatbelts. There's all right. the safety things. So we've narrowed it down to, and it had to be a sports car that was like, you know, 10 or 15, I guess more than 15, 15 years old because mm -hmm. it was, you know, right. so it really limited it to a certain number of, um, of models. And we picked this mm -hmm. Maserati cause I really like the red interior and because Maserati doesn't have predator mode in real life, we had to remove all of the Maserati branding, not because I minded it, being right. a body, but because we couldn't say that something existed that doesn't so that's why we kind of um greeked it out so that you can't tell what kind of card is it's a maserati it's like a 2003 i think okay something like that yeah cool All and right. another little tidbit is mm -hmm. when we were when she peels into the party yeah um we wanted that to be like a real hot arrival and it was a stunt driver. Yeah. And we had all of those cars that are lined up along the side of the driveway are our cruise cars because <laughs> like, yeah. why not? Why not? Right. And we kept pushing it further and further. I was like, can we come in like a little hotter? Can she go a little faster? And the driver's like, sure, I'll come in. And it was all this loose gravel. Mm -hmm. And um, so she's like, I think we can go a little, like the stunt coordinator and the driver were like, I think we can go a little bit faster. So, and you can hear her revving her engine out there to, to drive it in there. And she comes peeling through and fishtail and just like, <laughs> hit like four cars. Cars. Oh no. Yeah, yeah. Like, oops. So that was the wrap on the Maserati that night. Um, oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, so we had to repair the Maserati and get oh. all of our crew, poor crew, like our art director yeah. and our set decorators' cars were in there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we were pushing. 
We used the take before that one. Uh, would imagine. <laughs> um, speaking of the party, actually. Um, so this is more of a statement than his question. Honestly, when they were walking back to the back part of the of the uh, party, and yeah. like seeing this big group of kids, and then kind of like this opening up and everything, I'm like, oh, there's about they're about to have an acapella sing off in the middle of this movie, and it's going to be an <laughs> homage. She's going to put something in. That would have been awesome. And I'm like, no, nothing. All right. <laughs> I was like, I was like, so I was like, I was like, that, that would have been because that would have been hilarious if they just sort of walked in. I'm like, what, are they, what is going on here? That's a great idea. I wish uh, I thought that. Yeah, uh, no, I'm sorry to disappoint uh, you. And I looked all over the uh, as I was rewatching it because I didn't think about. Obviously, I don't. I rewatch movies, especially when I'm going to talk to somebody about them. I rewatch them multiple times because I want to. Obviously, the first time I want to watch it to enjoy it, and just to kind of focus on the movie itself. And then the second time, I want to rewatch it and then look for things or see sure. things I might have missed. So on my second viewing, I looked, I didn't see anything in Clancy's locker, in the band room, or even in the house. Not one OK Go poster or sticker <laughs> or nothing. I'm like, not going to even help her brother out. Wow. <laughs> you know, you're right. I totally should have dropped uh, OK Go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. subliminal messaging in there. You're right. Yeah. I, just, yeah. I didn't even think of it. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's okay. I'll uh, I'll be available for your next movie. So for consulting. Thank you. Yeah, remind <laughs> me. Get, get it in there. Yeah. Uh, but I thought I was like, eh, okay. But I thought okay. that was kind of funny too. Just something to kind of, I kind of noticed. So kind of getting, I guess. Um, Patrick, did you have any more questions as far as movie wise? Um. No other questions. I think everything was covered, everything outside of what I asked. Okay. Um, well, this is actually one of Patrick's questions he sent me or something he was talking about when we were texting each other, and I wrote it down to be sure to kind of bring it up or at least add it to our questions. Was that because he was re listening because he's a good, because <laughs> he's a good host and went back and listened to uh, the last time you were on. Thank you. And, and uh, so he meant, uh, so. Patrick's question basically the last time you were on uh you mentioned that you were working on a horror comedy oh yeah um are you still working on that or obviously it's kind of exactly I've got a couple projects in the works okay and I and the horror comedy is definitely one of them it's called um Rebecca and Queen Get Scared and I love that movie so much it's written by two very dear friends of mine I have shepherded that movie from um, like an early draft script all the way through. Uh, we've, we, you know, we shopped it around. We got a producer. We um, have it at New Line right now. I, I love this movie. Um, I think it's all just a question of like which uh, productions get off the ground. Right, first. First. Um, so yeah, it's very much still in the works. I love it very much and I would love to see it go. So one of the things I've noticed, and this kind of gets back to talking about kind of horror movies, is that I've also seen, um, I watched a movie called um, She Dies Tomorrow about basically paranoia and uh, how basically someone saying something and kind of just driving it home and then it becomes then infectious and then it then stirs up paranoia in the people she encounters. And so everybody then thinks, that they're going to die tomorrow. And then they have these like existential talks about 
life and death and all this other stuff. So they're, from what I've, you know, it was weird, but very well done movie is just, um, it was very, I don't want to say artsy. It was very, it was definitely an independent film. It was very character centered and very, um, and very kind of the way it was shot was kind of more artsy, but it's, it was done very well, but it's also being praised because it's kind of like the first quarantine movie, I guess you could say, you know, cause where people are stuck at home and start having these weird thoughts about being, you know, cooped up and everything and thinking, having uh, strange thoughts about mortality, I guess. Um, I'm trying to remember where I'm going with this conversation. <laughs> um, Horror movies, quarantine. Yep, and I'm sure there was a point to it. Oh, um, do you think um, that there's probably going to be like once more, more and more productions get you know get reopened and moving, you know, people can you know more movies are starting to get back into production and getting made. I think it's going to be probably a like I don't want to say like an overload of movies being put out that have to deal with isolation and quarantine much kind of like after Blair Witch, everybody had a found footage video. Movie. You know, I, I don't know what the answer is. My mm -hmm. instinct, which is nothing more than an instinct, mm -hmm. yeah. um, is that people don't want to see quarantine stuff. Right. Um, we're all living it, you know? Yeah. And, and, and if we have the, the privilege and the luckiness to be able to stay home and not have to go out to work and not have to be out and about, um, great but it's still not fun and it's still not what we really want and i think um one of the reasons the sleepover has been successful is it it's just like you can escape from it for a minute like remember what the world looked like last year and we were complaining about that like good mm -hmm. god right you know right um, so i think things are so dark and i know we were just talking mm -hmm. about you know everything that's going on. I just, I think that people are not going to want to see it. Um, right, right. And I, I, I get, I'm sure that um, lots of quarantine scripts are being made and developed because that's what's shootable right now. Yeah. And so, you know, maybe when that's what's coming out, people will watch it because that's what's coming out. But my gut is like the sooner someone can figure out whether it's, real-time testing you know like a pregnancy test almost where you yeah, yeah. lick a thing and find out 15 minutes later um yeah, or yeah. if it's the whole crew quarantining together and shooting in very limited um conditions i don't know what's going to be the, the most um feasible way to get back to shooting but i think it's going to be shooting things that don't take up quarantine issues just because i to me it's like i'm not interested in that i don't want to watch it I want to watch anything but that. I can tell you everything I need to know about quarantine already. Um, and and I know a lot of people have it worse off than I do. And um, I think we're looking for something different because we're, we're bored of it. That's my, yeah. that's my gut, but you know, what do I know? So actually one question I forgot to ask was, um, what was it like shooting a movie for a streaming service as opposed to like a, like I guess you could say a major studio or a traditional studio. You know, it was actually not much different. Netflix really functions like a studio now. Um, they have very seasoned executives who, um, you know, creative executives who are overseeing the project. They roll it out 
differently than a studio, but also not differently. I mean, um, especially since since nobody's really releasing very much in studios right now, mm -hmm. uh, I don't I don't know how it would have been different without the pandemic. But you know, Netflix has all of its own advertising kind of on their own platform, so that's different. But otherwise, it feels pretty much the same. I mean, okay. they threw a lot of resources at it. They were very hands-on in the development process. Um, they hands-on in the marketing phase, editing stage. Um, it, it wasn't wasn't real different. Okay. Um, this is something we kind of talk about, but um, feel free if you don't want to answer. That's cool too. Um, what was the budget for your movie? You know, I don't really know to be honest. Um, okay. Because uh, it's so complicated, like it's broken down into so many pieces, and then there's film credits that come from Boston, and you know, the honest, and so much of it is like in the marketing stage that I don't even know what they paid, so I, can't, I don't really know. To be okay, told. well, and the reason why I ask is because one thing Patrick and I have always discussed since the beginning, you know, since our first episode, is that we feel that there's a real sweet spot for movies, like. But somewhere between the six, you know, anywhere between like say 40 and 80 million, you can still make a quality movie with oh, yeah. and a really good quality movie yeah. without it being overblown or, you know, yeah. without it lacking something in that we think, you know, if, you know, studios are smart, they would kind of gear towards more towards that. Not everything used to be a summer blockbuster that's, 150 plus million you can still make a good quality film that's got an amazing script a good director amazing cast and still have a good story and special effects you just kind of have to kind of you know if you can still keep in that sweet spot i 100 percent agree this one's under 40 for sure okay um but yeah i mean at some point you're just throwing money at huge star power or gigantic crazy visual effects you know um huge created worlds you know right. like 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 digital worlds or stuff like that that i don't think is what people are going to the movie for you know i mean like if you have to have this a-list actor because they're the only person that can play the part all right well you're probably gonna have to pay for them and if that's the only person you can play it okay but rarely is that the case you know yeah. Um, there are so many actors, discovered and undiscovered, who usually can play a given role. And, you know, when it comes, to, and so that's the one place I can kind of see throwing money is if you just have to have a certain person and they're expensive. But beyond that, like, they want, people want story, people want heart, people want cleverness, people want, you know, interesting ideas. And they don't usually, it's, it's, it's cool to see giant sweeping landscapes that have been completely mm -hmm. created in digital you know, spaces and all of the crazy, huge, expensive sets or whatnot. But, you know, at some point, that's just wasted money, if you ask me. Right. Yeah. And, and the only reason I could think of is marketing for overseas to try and get an overseas draw over in China or somewhere For else. sure. For um, sure. So you I, have I to have your A-list actors because they'll go see it because that person's in it or because this director – who shall not be named that loves his special effects and nothing else. Um, <laughs> who I've complained about multiple times that used to be good way back when. 
Um, I mean, there's no question that box stuff when when there is when people are worried about box office, like that yeah. does seem to be one of the only things that will get people out to the theater anymore. Is yeah. huge star power and huge blockbuster tent pole kind of massive right. scale movies, and but that doesn't mean they're good. It just means right. It just means that's what will get popcorn. Popcorn. That's, and it's that's why they're popcorn movies and not yeah. Yeah. film, as I like to call it. Yeah. I like to call quality movies film, whether it's more shot um it's more shot you know you it's tells it has good acting a well-told story and looks beautiful and is either thought-provoking or has you know a a certain matches to get you know that they want that the filmmaker wants to get across those are films movies are your blockbuster stuff that is just there to be entertained which are perfectly fine i love those movies too we all do but you know, and but we're the, you know in this time and place for those, but you know, but that, I agree. I think most people want to watch films, but they also want to watch, you know, a still a good quality movie such as this movie. Yeah. Um, before we go, I kind of want to. I came across this on Twitter of all things, when I did a hashtag the sleepover movie. Um, I came across somebody on a website on a blog. I can't give credit to the blog, but we did post it to our uh, Facebook fan group. Um, they had, uh, they made a, the sleepover secret life of parents quiz that has questions and uh, 10 questions, 10 dares. And then they made a, the sleepover bingo game that I think looks awesome. Oh um, and then, um, the ultimate sleepover to-do list with various different things. Wow. And last but not least, for those of us who are a little bit older, but I'm sure it's probably geared for kids, a the sleepover crossword puzzle. Wow, I wonder who made that. That's um, I'll send you the link. Yeah, I love I that. I'll send you the link because it is very well done. Um, I printed them off. And I honestly haven't even had a full chance to kind of look over everything. Grayson got excited for the bingo. So we may do that um, one night. Um, For those listening, all of that can be found on our Facebook group page um, for you to download and, and uh, watch or download and play with the next time you watch. Oh goodness. (laughs) Patrick, you got anything else for our amazing guest? Let's see. Um, I'll say when I was watching it, kind of like we were talking about earlier about, you know, putting money, like having big budgets and everything, wanting a good story. Like the whole time I was watching the movie, it I wasn't thinking about what was going on outside of the world, you know, what was going on, mm-hmm. the COVID and everything. I was able to focus on what I was watching and not really paying attention to anything else. And so that's one thing that I look for when I watch a movie. Am I thinking about what's going on everywhere else or am I focused on the movie? And I was able to do that with this. I love that. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's really my ultimate goal, you know? And like, maybe someday I'll make a movie that really sticks with people or wins an award. But right now, I just, I feel it's a huge success if when you're watching it, you're engaged and it takes you, especially right now, takes you out of reality just long enough to give you a break. And if it can do that for multi-generations at the same time, even better. Because that's the ultimate, for me right now, that's like the ultimate compliment and the ultimate, well, like, check success, you know? Well, and 
if anybody has seen any of, I mean, any of your previous work, whether it's Pitch Perfect 3, Step Up All In, or even your brother's music videos, they're all fun. There's not one thing you've done that hasn't, you're not sitting there going, wow, this is just fun. I mean, yeah. and so you making another movie that's just, that's fun for everybody is kind of wasn't a surprise for me. I mean, I was kind of, you know, okay. it's kind of. Well, it's true. I mean, it was, I was kind of expecting, you know, I wasn't, you know, it's, it's I wasn't funny. sure what to expect, but it, but I knew I was going to have fun. I'm yeah. glad. And I, if that's my brand, I'm more than, ha I mean, you know, it's funny because we, there are things we do, we consume all the time, like food, like meals. Yeah. And we don't necessarily expect them to stick with us forever. We don't necessarily expect them to be the most like life altering experience. It's something we need, literally, and want, and that tastes good, feels good, satisfies a need, is an enjoyable moment. And, you know, sometimes that's what movies are. Sometimes they are mind-bending, mm -hmm. you know, works of art. And sometimes it's just something that feels good, tastes good, scratches an itch. You might not remember it tomorrow, and that's okay. You know, that's, that's, there's still a place for that in the world. Yes. And now more than ever, really, I mean, if you think about it. Right. So you know, we have a family across the street and and um, they've never been able to sit through a movie altogether before. They have kids who are, I think, three and five oh. or four and six. And, you know, two parents who have very different tastes in movies. And they were like, this is the first time we all sat on our couch for an hour and a half. Nobody got up. Nobody started crying. Nobody got bored. Nobody, you know like started punching the other kid on the, like mm -hmm. we all sat and watched it. And it was like, a, for them, that was a huge moment. And, and like, sure. you know, sometimes it's those little things that mean everything. Yeah. Well, and for me, it was hard to, I mean, like my son will watch movies with me sometimes. Um, my daughter, of course, Grayson will. Sure. Most of the time. But to get the two of them to do it, and they didn't really, I wouldn't say they agreed because they didn't have a choice. <laughs> I told them, hey, <laughs> you're watching this tonight. Trust me, you'll like it. And I showed both on the trailer. I'm like, all right. And, uh, of course, Grayson, hilarious, with an A, not an H, hilarious. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then York's like, yeah, this looks good. And then um, the fact that he was able to, the next day, um, talk about it again is something. Because usually he likes the movies, but he's more about games right now. And sure. so, um, but for him to bring it up and talk about how he – it's like, Dad, I really liked the movie from last night. I said, awesome, dude. I said, well, if you ever want to watch it again, you know, you're more, we can turn it on whenever. It's, it's the beauty of it being on Netflix. <laughs> so, right. right. And not having to pay $20 to rent it and then have to wait another three months before it comes out to buy. <laughs> right. So, um, like we had to do with the Trolls movie. Um, uh, but right. that girl loves that movie. So it was worth it. Um, but yeah, to get the two of them to want to watch it together is something to do. And, or something that's not easy to do. And the fact that they both sat, did it, we made a night of it, pizza and popcorn, and they loved it. They both got to stay up late, so they even liked it even more. Sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and actually stayed awake, too. And both of them stayed awake to where you then weren't too tired, so. I mean, I love that. Like, that to me so, is every, I'm just yeah. thrilled to hear so, that. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely uh, knocked one out of the park there, so. Um, all right, Patrick, I guess we're done. I don't have new releases. I, this is kind of a special episode week. Yeah. Um, we, you know, we'll get to all that next week. Although next week is going to be technically last week's episode. It's really weird. 
you know, time or something lines. like that, or something like that. Time yeah, timelines, time <laughs> crazy business. Um, all right, for myself, Jeff Hall, and my good friend Patrick Terry, and our returning guest, Tracy. We will talk to you all next week. Yeah. yeah yeah a lot of a lot of kids don't love the barfing it's my favorite part actually but a lot of kids <laughs> don't love that do you want to know what we made that barf out of because it's not real barf that barf is made out of because because it's going to get in his mouth and his nose when he's doing it it has to all be food so it's soy milk mashed potatoes frozen vegetables and brownie mix Oh my gosh. Isn't that disgusting? And we had a bucket of it that was like the size of a small car. Cause we did that scene so many times and they pumped it through a, a tube and there's just this huge bucket and they would stir it like a gross soup. Yuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's your least favorite part. I, I believe that a lot of people tell me that. <laughs>